Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode part two, even, episode of episode 111. Uh, the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes who have known each other forever, who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant, with me is Scott, and also for part two, Mr. Sam Vicini again. Thank you for joining us again, mate. Yeah, you know, as we found... I don't get a chance to talk about football enough over here. <laughs> so whenever we start talking about football, it mushrooms and balloons <laughs> it into does. multiple hours. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us again, mate. We're going to, uh, we're going to kick off part two to get our, uh, ourselves through the, uh, the remainder of the review on the players. So who do we, uh, who do we finish off with last podcast? Scotty? So uh, at lot. And um, hello to everyone, by the way. Uh, uh, so the last podcast we finished with Matt Guelphy. We move on to uh, Braden Ham to start the show. Uh, and look, Braden Ham, uh, look, I actually really like Braden Ham. And, and I know he gets a lot of criticism. And I know he like his stats don't are not overwhelming or anything like that. Uh, and I think he's uh, he looks very young. His body's very young. Um, it needs a lot of work, uh, a lot of weights, uh, maybe a Krispy Kreme in there. Um, but <laughs> That's it. He needs some roast dinners <laughs> in his mum's place is what he needs. Uh, but, you know, when I look at uh, disposable efficiency, I feel Braden Ham. There's some guys you go, you know, there could be 80% deficiency, and I go, man, you just handballed <laughs> eight out of ten times, and that's how you got it. But I feel like when I see Ham's is around 78%, I feel like that's a, a genuine disposal efficiency. Like he he does have an aggressive style of moving the ball, looking for an option down the field and, and spotting it quite well. Uh, I do believe there's a good wingman coming through. He just may take another year or two, but he's definitely a player I would persist with uh, because uh, I think he has got quite good attributes and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively excited about his future uh, and I know he hasn't did, didn't do much this year, but um, I think he's very, very young in every aspect, but I think there's a lot of talent there to come through and shine. I'll go to you, Sam. Yeah, Definitely agree, which is kind of funny because, um, and I'll shout out my wife, Laura here, who's been an Essendon uh, member for 30 plus years now. Uh, great, terrific person who got me into the football club to begin with. Great person. And Great person. <laughs> <laughs> she caught it immediately with Braden Ham and thought that Braden Ham was going to be really good from the jump. I didn't think he was very good the first time I saw him. I'm kind of in now and it's for a lot of the same reasons that Scott mentioned. I think he's definitely a wing first and foremost, like and wings tend not to put up these crazy disposal numbers, crazy, uh, you know, clearance numbers, anything like that. That's not a wingman's job. A wingman's job is to space the field out, create lanes for inside midfielders to, run through the corridor in transition and to be an outlet option. And then if you hit that outlet to then be able to have a long kick to be able to get the ball far down the field, Bradenham can do all of those things. He has all of the tools to be very good. He's just very painfully physically weak right now. Mm. Like he, he just needs to get stronger. I think that once he does, he's going to be, pretty good like mm. i think he has a very good chance to be in our best 22 on like a good team 
for the Essendon Football Club, let alone like this travesty of a season. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree. I, I, in the spirit of not making this podcast go for an hour and 45, um, I, I, there's not much more I can add to that. I think he's there is a player there, absolutely. Love his left boot. Um, I love a left boot on an AFL footballer. They're like um, left, left-handed golfers. Um, they're they're freakishly good with the ball in hand. So he's he is a cool young footballer who's doing all of the right things at the right time. Um, the fact that he weighs a buck oh five um, ring and wet um, is not his fault at the moment. Two or three preseasons will fix that, and there's definitely a player there. Definitely is in my side. So let's go straight to the captain. This would be an interesting talking point. Uh, look, actually, maybe it's it's very limited talking point because he's had very limited games. Yeah, <laughs> um, I agree. Yeah, it, it, it's a player. If if you knew Dyson Hepper was going to get back to the Dyson Hepper we know, you know, very quickly, I think the midfield performs a lot, lot better. Uh, but I, I think there's doubt on whether he does get back to that level. I think he has some confidence, but. It's been so many setbacks on his foot, and I know the the recent screw was a was a different area to his to, to the one that kept him out for a long time. But still, it's it is a concern, uh, and, and the the reason we've really missed him is actually just on field leadership. We it, it felt like we were a young side all over the ground um, that just lacked direction and lacked on field leadership, and I think. One thing uh, I've been thinking about lately is Truck's message to the players and how he needs to find a leadership group that has his message that's told amongst the while the game's being played uh, and having clear, um, strong direction. And, you know, it wasn't a great look that in our top seven players – in the in the Crichton Medal, none of them were in the leadership group. It's it it is a it is a slight concern, and some of them have obviously natural excuses, um, but not everyone does. Uh, and Heppel, you know, I've said this before. When you go to training, he's he's the clear leader amongst everyone. Like it's, it, I know he's got the nice tag, but you know. Even even with that game, right where they came out and made that, the Mozzie made that joke, and there was a whole big uproar about you know, the whole thing. You know, I it's been told, and, and and Mark Robinson's obviously mentioned that before that Dyson Hepper was actually in the rooms, really letting the guys have it. Um, so you can have obviously that image there, but Dyson Heppel at within the room at that halftime break saying that's not, that's that is simply not good enough, guys. Um, and and we're going to play. And, you know, I've been told by numerous sources that he was quite vocal in, in those rooms at halftime, um, which is a bit of a shame because the image came out of the whole mosquito thing. It's probably blurred um, Heppel's leadership there. Uh, and he is, a, he is a guy that obviously likes to do things by actions. He's a very player management supportive kind of captain. He's not a demonstrative Goddard kind of player. Um, and that's how he likes to lead. But he he clearly is the leader. When you watch go to watch any match simulation, any training, he'll he'll stop plays. He'll he'll talk. Um, he'll he everyone everyone listens very intently. Uh, so it's something that we've really really missed. It's just, it's just a 
the three games, I mean, he's probably only played, for, you know, seven or eight games in two years. And his leadership, we've so much missed. And his physicality in the midfield as well. So I'll go to you, Sam. Yeah, I don't know that there is like a whole lot to say about this year with him. You yeah. know, he didn't look right when he came back from no, injury. Did he? No. Yeah, like I, I would imagine that that was a leadership reason in terms of why he came back. He's a fighter. Uh, genuinely love him. Uh, I would love for him to continue to be the captain as long as he's healthy. Like I think that that's that that maintains to be the number one thing. Is he going to continue? to be healthy. And if he's going to be healthy, that's great. I would love to continue to see him be the captain, but like if he's not going to be on the field, there does become a void. Yeah. And that's where it gets tricky. I think like I, I would, I guess like I would ask you guys, like what do you want the leadership group to look like next year? Like me personally, like I want Zach Merritt back in the leadership group, like yeah. unquestionably. Like, I want that guy back in. He's very professional. He's very intentional about the way he acts. Like, that's a guy that I want in. Um, I mean, who who else stands out for you guys? Oh, look, I probably got, you know, for me, if I'm being completely honest, I, I probably only have, I, I, I minimize the leadership group. I do a bit of an older system. Um, you know, you used to have a, a captain, vice captain, deputy captain in the old days. I think the I think we we can minimise a little bit the leadership group, and it wouldn't bother me if if someone told me that um, uh, Zach Merritt, uh, McGrath, and Heppel were the, was the were the three leaders of the club. Uh, one one's kind of an apprentice. Uh, Merritt should be in there, and Heppel's the obvious one now, but. Um, uh, look, I want to see Hurls in there. Want to see Hurls? Hurls, in there Hurls well. might be the only fourth one, but uh, nah. but I, I, you know, I, I don't see in their actions the other guys that are in the leadership group this year. That you know, I don't see it myself. I, you know, I, I think I think Merritt, McGrath, and Happel have a um, a way of playing where they're. They run both ways. They're as proud as to work defensively as a midfielder that they are offensively as a midfielder. They're tough. They're they're you know the the guys who you normally have you know averaging the most tackles. Um, uh, but that's how I that's how I see it. Now Merritt obviously um, by his own admission probably had to get a bit closer to some of the younger younger guys in the group, and that's a little bit what was told. But. He, he still probably shouldn't have been out of that group. Like he, he's clearly the, uh, the, I mean, without Dana, he's clearly for me, the best player on the list. And as Matthew Lloyd said that even during the week, he said, look, Zach Merritt's the best player on the list. He's got to be in that leadership group. And, and he, and he works hard. I think mean, he's averaging 26 disposals. You know, he's 3.6 clearances, 3.4 tackles. He, he's not doing much wrong. I mean, he, no doubt in Zach's mind, he, he'd like to clear up his disposal. Because his first two or three years, he actually he was actually a, quite a classy midfielder, but it, it, it kind of hasn't been as prominent, but still nowhere near as, uh, as bad as others. But that's how I that's how I view the, the leadership group. I think it's uh, just a four man leadership group, and I, I see McGrath, Merritt, uh, Heppel, um, uh, and Hills, and that's kind of about it. Uh, well, I, 
I guess like my question is, I think I saw Matthew Lloyd say earlier in the week that like Zach Merritt had a tendency to actually like get on his teammates when they would do something wrong and that brushed people the wrong way. Like, is that something that stands up to scrutiny? Oh, I, 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 no. Mate, I reckon, I reckon that I think that's what's required moving forward. I think Paul Brasher came out and gave us that hint. Um, Brendan Goddard said that potentially the club is suffering from a little bit too many, uh, too many hugs um, and not enough foots in the, in the rear end. And I think if Zach got taken out of the leadership team because he rubbed people up the wrong way, then I'd be sort of, I'd be talking to him about his, the way he communicated his message, um, not the message itself, because I, I want him back in the in the leadership team too. I think there's a, a really good opportunity to grow him as a leader um, in the club. I think Andy McGrath is our is our next captain, um, but to have that guy in and around the leadership team is definitely something that I think needs to happen as well. And if if he takes and it's interesting too because Brendan Goddard will uh, calls a, a spade a dirty great big shovel um, whenever he gets an opportunity to, and no one seemed to be uh, annoyed about that at Essendon when he was doing it when he was captain, right? So I think there needs to be with the millennial footballers nowadays and the modern footballers, you, you can't get up in their face and punch them in the chest and, and say lift your um, bloody game. You've got to be all sorts of sensitive with them and, and tell them that they they matter and all that kind of crap. But I think if, if that's what Zach's going to bring to the leadership team is a bit of a hard-nosed approach, then absolutely um, put him back in the side. And look, just uh, look, just for the sake of time, I realise we've done two guys in fourteen minutes, so I'll, I'll keep moving along. What I, what I will do though, I've made the executive decision. Anyone that got delisted, sorry, to, sorry to be mean. We're just gonna we're we're gonna do the guys who are playing in two thousand twenty one. Do we just, just want to like quickly yeah, run yeah. through them? Say like Kobe Much, we didn't see him at all this year. No. We saw him once, and it he just wasn't there. Mitch, right, Mitch Hibbard. Um, Mitch Hibbard's not an AFL football player, I don't think. Right. Nah, like it is what yeah. it is. Yeah, look, yeah, had a crack at him. He's, he looks okay, but no, no. Thank it's you. Look, it's Sean McKernan. Uh, that, but that obviously, you know, it, by his own words, he actually had a really gracious Instagram saying, you know, he if he knew he was going to play that many years at Essendon, you've got to remember he was just on one-year contracts most of his career. Kept on thinking he was going to get delisted in his first two or three years. Ended up staying for for six or seven years. Um, and, and, you know, he actually had a quite a grateful mentality of just saying, you know, I've loved that I've, I've forged a career on his day could do anything. And that was yeah. the frustration with him, but also on his day could be very invisible. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't mean this negatively when I say this about McKernan, because I don't think that it's McKernan's fault at all. Like McKernan fought and battled and dealt with injuries and everything and, Frankly, just isn't like a best 22 AFL football player, right? No. no. Uh, it eludes me that the list management team went into the season with a potential strategy of having to play for a contested mark game where so many people are bombing it deep into the forward 50 and hoping that someone can come down with a contested mark. Yep. And Sean McKernan being the only forward that they really seem to like trust because James Stewart didn't come in until like mid season. And I know that Stewart dealt with, you know, the uh, COVID having to be quarantined and all of that stuff. Like 
man, it's, it's a, that's a bad look, in my opinion, for the list management team to only come into the year with Sean McKernan and James Stewart backing up Joe Danaher when you have no idea if Joe Danaher is going to play. Yeah. Good point. No, no, it's a very, very good point. Uh, I hear you. <laughs> I look and that's, I, not on Mc, that's not on McKernan. No, like no. That, no, 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 McKernan, no, definitely not. That's no. on us, yeah. You know, he fought and battled and was who he was, right? Yep. But that's a tough look, I think. Look, I might even go um, the next two plays is like a bit of a group conversation um, because it's Cal Hooker and Michael Hurley and they're, um, they're very kind of similar to where they're at in their careers. Um, uh, we all – I won't go too much into the whole controversy. We went into that in the last podcast. But uh, Sorry, where did you guys come down on that? Just as like a quick rehash for me. Uh, where did I come down? Um I think I thought two things uh, from memory. I said uh, I, I, ha- I had a feeling like Bell Chambers could have played, uh, even if it was a half. Um, but my biggest issue was um, if, if the story is true and, and a lot of sources I talk to say it's definitely true, um, that the, how, how it all developed. So you've got Hooker obviously telling – the coach that that Bill Chambers should be playing, um, obviously Rutten has his view um, that um, he would rather play Sam Draper and that Bill Chambers couldn't get through the game. Uh, then there's a, a sense of those guys um, going maybe above Rutten uh, and and then, then it flowing down and, and Rutten saying, okay, we'll give Bill Chambers a game. And then Belly, obviously, then getting the news. Well, I don't want to be charity, um, uh, and so I look. I, I don't feel like I want to play in that spirit because I don't want to. It's just some. Uh, I don't want it to be to be charity or, or seen that way, and, and so it, it, it's it's to me. It's like when Truck makes the call. I I want next year that Truck. If Truck makes the call, then truck makes the call like it's it's, it's like right. it's it's, it's got to be a stronger club uh right and i know personally as a fan i would love to have sent off belly but i'm still more worried about the passive side of that of that how it plays out and the the look of it um uh, you know make a firm decision and go with it you could disagree or not but just so right. no that's how i think and belly you can't run out the game we will celebrate you um you've had a great career we're going to have Draper though play. Uh, the more games we can get into him, the better. And he's your mentor. Um, so, so I'd rather just, you know, I, I have no issue with the guy sticking up with him because they've gone through a whole lot for a ten-year period. Uh, it, it's more than just this this moment. It, it meant a lot to them. I understand everyone's emotion. Just to well, me, the, just to the club, step, like just the club be you, strong. You look at like Hooker's Instagram and like all of the, I mean, like him and Bell Chambers, I get the impression are like best friends. Yes. Yeah, they are. Like, of course, you're going to stick up for your guy at the end of the day. If I was rotten, I'd have just played him. Like, he could, like, it looked like when he was walking through that like makeshift tunnel, like, it looked like he could, he was limping sort of and like didn't look like he was in great shape. Right. No, I don't mean that like physically. I mean, like, he literally like was struggling to walk in a way that an AFL football player should not struggle to walk. Like I get that, but the season's over. They've lost eight to nine or whatever. Yeah, no, it's Just play them at the end of the day. Yeah, like yeah. 
continue to build a strong culture within the club, you can do that once truck takes over officially after that game starts. Like that's, that's my, that's my feedback. That's the, the only point that was missed here is to give a bloke who has been unquestionably loyal to the club um, and has put in his effort at the club. And if you're looking at it from a player management point of view, maybe something that the fans don't see, to look after your employees a little bit yeah. and like make sure your employees are happy with where they work, give the bloke a game, right? Like it's and, and truck will probably come out and say, yeah, sure. And what, just lose another game and then get smashed in the ruck against um, uh, Max Gorn. And then I'd get bad press for putting in a bloke that's half, that's half dead um, against one of the best ruckmen or the all Australian ruckmen this year. And we would have got smashed and the whole thing. Right. So you're going to lose a, anyway. Like. It's a no win <laughs> situation, but for truck's point of view, what he thought he did was put the best players out on the park at that time to win a game of footy right, right? now. Uh, hopefully that was his point of view, but in this particular case, it was a no win situation for truck, but the guy should have played right? Mm-hmm. he should have played. Give him a, a a sing. If we if we lost by an extra thirty points, to be quite frank, who cares? Uh, but it was the last awful game of an awful season, and uh, he should have played. That way, you would have had happy happy employees, happy fans, and you could be. We can start the truck era in January. So, well, and and you avoid this rush of like this news cycle, essentially. Like, look, I would have hoped. Like, I hope that like. Hurley and Hooker like didn't go to the press or anything. Like I, I just have no, no idea no, on no. what the deal was. Like I wouldn't think that they would. But there's very clearly a leaky ship at Essendon. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the leaks gotta stop. Like <laughs> if I was Paul Brasher, that's the number one thing I'm doing. I am trying to figure out what's going on. Why does everyone know our business right now? What is happening? We gotta cut this. Like we got to end it. And like, look, part of it is too, that we have a lot of prominent players in the media. Right. And Mm. I don't think that that's a bad thing. Um, But But they they have a unique insight. They talk to the club, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's great. Like they're doing their job and Essendon needs to do its job and keep things in house. I would say. Uh, Like even with list, like you even mentioned, like you want to know like what direction the list management wants to go at the end of the day. Like you mentioned that an hour ago on the last podcast, right? Mm -hmm. I'd keep that. Like, I want that quiet. Yeah. yeah, That's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I want, I want secrecy basically. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, if you're going into negotiations, you want to keep your strategy in-house right you want to you don't want you don't want teams to go well we know you're desperate for this kind of player so give us this 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 you you need to actually keep things under wraps and yeah also a good point yep yep um look on on hurley can we talk about like his actual game this year too yes go for it you go sam because i i thought he was not terrible in a way that like essendon fans seem to be on him uh i'm right with you fine this year i thought Great. Uh, never been problems. an elite one-on-one. Yeah, he's never been like an elite one-on-one defender. He's been good, like to very good for the most part. But like a lot of what he does is organize the back line, be a great leader, and dispose of the ball efficiently or clear the ball uh, out of the forward line or out of the defensive line. I'm sorry. He did that for the most part this year. He wasn't quite as uh, voluminous, maybe that's a word, in terms of <laughs> disposal and getting the ball and um, making things happen. But 
I thought he did a pretty good job throughout the course of the year. Like Hooker, I totally get it in terms of people getting on him. Like I didn't think Hooker had a very good year. But Hurley, it's kind of wild to me that he wasn't in the top 10 of our uh, of the Crichton medal. I, I was actually pretty surprised by that. I, I must admit, I, I thought he would be close because I, I think Hurls has had one of those years where fans have called out big moments where he might have lost a one-on-one to like a, a kid that was 20 years old or something like that. But but there are just little moments, and I thought overall though he was quite solid. Like there's there was games where you know he played on Hitwood or other guys, and he completely shut him out of the game. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, and other games where he got switched to another guy after quarter time, and he shut him out of the game. Uh, yep. So I, I felt like there wasn't enough credit for the things he actually did well. It just he had a bit of a Goddard moment where he did some you know, two or three instances where it was like really blinding. They're like, oh, else, that's unlike you and did a bad mistake. But yeah. defensively, he was more sound than people getting credit for. Me, uh, which has been an ongoing issue for two or three years, is I've always had an issue that he's been a designated, not so much this year though, but a designated release point of half back as far as getting the ball and and his decision making once he gets it, uh, he, he. I wish he had more aggression, uh, because I, I do feel like he gets the ball, and has goes back on the mark 10, 15 seconds. Looks up the field, looks left, yeah. right, looks right, and it's like the play is gone. Like it's like okay, well now you're just forced to kick it 50 meters down the line, and that's normally what happens. Um, and I, I just feel like. That's that's my only issue with his game. Really, is is and it, it happened a lot defensively this year to our guys. So it's not just him, but it, it's just I, I I felt like defense is set up so well against us because of our ball movement was so slow, and he was probably a a person that sort of added to that. That's that's my only take on it. And then where, where are you guys on Hooker Grant? Uh, the blokes are forward. Uh, sorry, the blokes are backmen. Will you please stop playing him forward? Um, he's got what one, two years left in his in his contract if he stays with us. Um, he'd can, can Hooker, I make a case otherwise? I kind of disagree with you. This is fun. Uh, okay, no, 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 I know, I understand. My, I, I make a case. He's, I love he's it. A, he's an all. He's an all Australian. He's an all Australian fullback in yeah. in pure marking ability. Be that I mean, Kyle Hooker hasn't jumped more than an inch and a half off the ground in his entire <laughs> life, right? Seriously, I could jump higher than Kale Hooker. And that's okay. Um, yeah. But in in one-on-one standing marks, the reason why they want to play him forward is because he's such a good mark. So yeah. he's an All-Australian um, centre-half back role. He reads the ball well. And now that Ridley is there, everybody forgets that it was Kale Hooker leading the league in intercept right. marks for a couple of years in a row, right? He's a tall, he couldn't run out of sight on a dark night, though. That's this one issue that I have with him. But as an intercept marking defender, him and Hurls are the two towers down there that, again, are difficult to get hold of. We picked Cal Hooker up with pick 54 or something like that in the second round. Absolutely nobody thought he was going to be an, a better than okay defender. And he can take a mark. He's reasonably strong. He makes reasonably good decisions when he has the ball in his hand in that mm-hmm. back line. And having a couple of tall defenders like that at, at um, centre-half back and full-back are, are excellent to a midfield, uh, sorry, to a back line. So the guy can take marks in the back line. We don't have a direct replacement for him at the moment. BZT is 
um, is an up and coming defender, but he's not he's not there yet, right? So to move Carl Hooker forwards just smacks to me of desperation, and um, he just to moving him forward for the last two years of his career is just I think it's desperation that's not required. Leave him down back. Teach BZT and um, Ambrose and whoever else we want to chuck down there, Rids, to him and Hurley to teach him how to do it, but the blokes are backman. All right. Uh, sorry to can, be... Can I, can I make a case on Hooker for forward real quick? Yeah, yeah, go, yep, for it. go for it. So to me, offensive football is a... You're making a decision on where you want to lead is the offensive forward, right? Yeah. As a defender, it's a reactive game you're defending where that player is moving to, right? I think Hooker is lost that little half step to where as a reactive, in a reactive position, he gets beat too often now. Okay. And his strength is better used as a marking forward in the forward line. Like I would rather use that strength that you talked about, Grant, now in the forward line, I think, because that's where I think it's going to be better utilized at this stage of his career. Yeah. The last one before we move on, because we've got to move on. Um, it's, it's, I reckon if you speak to forwards and you speak to Duck Carey and those boys and girls, they'll, they'll teach, they'll tell you that it's not just that easy to switch a backman who's learned his entire craft yeah. down back on how to learn and position himself down back. And he's done very well at that to just flick a switch and become a forward and know where to be, where to position oneself. And I know it's, it's not too dissimilar to position yourself in a one-on-one to take the mark or to spoil the mark. That's It's not too dissimilar, but there is a craft involved in being a forward. And to try and just put him forward, I think, is... It's a little bit of a desperate um, times because we haven't had Joey forever. And Paul, uh, Paul bloody Waller has had the ball dumped on his head a dozen times. And seriously, I, I met the bloke and he's short as, and um, he's not taking those marks. So I'd, I yeah. appreciate where you're coming from. If, if, if he has lost a bit of a step, um, which eh, I'm not sure I hundred percent agree with, um, but if he's lost a little bit of a step, great, chuck him in the forward line. And I can understand because he can take a grab. And so long yeah. as he's within about 30 meters from goal, he can turn around and kick it. Um, but I just think he's, he will be served better um, teaching Maggie Thatcher how to, um, to play down back and uh, being that voice of um, veteran leadership with hurls down back as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. I need to uh, keep things rolling because it really will be a five hour show. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to keep this one brief. Uh, breakout year for Kyle Langford, uh, spectacular uh, return to, I won't say return to form, but this has been his best, been his best year at the club. Uh, he, uh, he introduced uh, a lot more marking prowess this year um, around the ground, uh, whether it's on the wing Especially or, or the forward. Yep. Uh, yeah. uh, a legitimate goal-scoring midfielder that we've desperately needed. Uh, I know he played quite a, quite a bit of his time also as a half forward. Um, but I think I think he's a, a, a worthwhile prospect to still keep through the midfield and rotate through the half forward. I think that's his ideal role because I think he services both quite well. Um, but, yeah, he had a, averaging 18 disposals in a shortened game, um, uh, kicked 11 goals. Uh, he must have been almost like equal third or fourth on the goal kicking, for, a, for <laughs> a, which is pretty sad. But... But look, I'm not going to speak on much because we've got a lot of players to go through. So, but a breakout year couldn't be more happier. Totally agree. 
the only thing that I would, I mean, what do we think his best position is? Is he a wing? Is he a inside midfielder who can tag? Like, is he going to be taking rotations at the half forward? Like where, where do we think his best spot is? I guess would be high, high half forward. His, his best spot for me is a high half forward who, when the ball is bounced, runs towards the middle of the of the ground um, to. Uh, if, I mean, if, if if it's required, he runs towards packs to try and act as that extra midfielder on the outside of packs, um, but can then float back into the forward line and take a grab. If they need to rest somebody in the midfield, he can go in there full time and run around in the midfield. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a really versatile footballer, but high half forward again because it's his it's his natural game to take a grab, turn around, and kick a mark. Uh, wow, and it's, that's how long we've been going on the podcast uh, to kick a goal. Um, but I think he's—I'm very impressed this year about um, his decision-making ability, and he looks like he's got a little extra time than he he never had. And and one of the, the judges yeah. for me for for an AFL midfielder is that if you look like you've got time to make decisions, you you don't. You're just putting yourself in better positions. So really impressed with um with Langers this year, and the whipping boy is now starting to uh, show us what he can do. I agree. Yeah, and I just want to note to like from all accounts that I've been told, incredible worker. Uh, yeah, he is the kind of guy yeah. that you want to set a culture of hard work. Uh, in a club, definitely in our best 22, definitely in the best 22 on a good team. Um, yeah, great, great player. And look, similar to in the same draft, Jaden Laverde, who's the next, uh, uh, obviously a very, f- probably the most frustrating yeah. career right now, almost at the club, as far as getting two or three games, then getting injured for four or five, ga- for four or five games, just consistently yeah, I don't think anyone really knows the best of Jaden Laverde uh, yet because uh, just the nature of his career so far, there's definitely a player in there. Uh, I'm not quite sure what his possessed best position is. A lot of people will say forward, but he, if you know, he literally can't kick for goal. Uh, I think he's getting maybe better at it, but but uh, he seems to be. Naturally, a, a gifted kind of forward. Uh, they're playing the stringer kind of, you know, forward setup. Uh, if he can get that kicking action right, then that's clearly his best role. Um, I, I found it interesting they played him off half back in the in a couple of scratch matches towards the end of the year to maybe just to have a bit of a look and see. That's where he played in his TAC Cup uh, as a junior, and that's where he was actually really highly regarded as a half back in his junior career. So uh, it's it's. He's one to look out for if 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 the Saudi and and all that kind of few things happen because I would not be surprised if they make a a, a career path for him the way he the ball's coming to him instead of him leading out to the ball because he seems to be getting a lot of contact injury the way he plays forward um, and maybe maybe to save him from injuries is having the ball come to him at half back where. Uh, you know, it's, uh, quite often you get a lot less injuries off half back because it, it's just the ball's coming to you and you're behind your opponent instead of making the uh, play as a forward and getting a lot of contact from behind. So uh, interesting off season for him, but uh, there's a player there. Uh, it just hasn't had a good go at it. Yeah. I really want to like Jaden Laverty. I want him to turn good. I worry that he's a bit redundant on this list uh, just due to the presence of Stringer. Mm-hmm. I worry that 
like unless he's a halfback which like i can't speak to that you know what i mean like i'm not over there and i did not see scratch matches and like i didn't see him when he was younger so like maybe you you guys definitely have a better view on that than i do um if he can be that that's interesting i guess i would try down that pathway but if they're set on him being a forward i would probably move him because i just don't see the pathway to success there for him uh, uh, Jake Stringer arrived. Jaden Laverde lost his spot for me. Um, it's it, again. You watch Jaden at um, training, and I've only ever seen one bloke. Well, I mean, Joe Danaher can jump the highest and take the biggest mark I've ever seen, like way, way up in the air. The only other bloke that I've seen get anywhere near him when he's been trying to defend him, like they've had an overlap and Jaden's been on um, Danaher for a minute. The only bloke who can swing his arms and get within cooey of Joe Danaher is Jaden Laverde. He's six, well and truly over six foot. He's got a body like an Adonis. He can jump out of a gym. He gets injured. I appreciate that. And that's not very good, but he's a forward. Like I, and I appreciate he can't kick awful well, really can't kick awful well. But as another, as the other half, high half forward at center half forward, he doesn't have to kick So at, at the half forward line. He doesn't have to kick for goals, but he could be a really good linking half forward Instead of Joe, not always Joe at center half forward. It could be him as a high half forward. So look, Jaden, Jaden's a worry for me. He's been around for a good period of time now and he keeps getting injured. Now, Scotty might be right in saying playing down back because you don't have um, monsters landing on you every two minutes if you're forward um, and uh, and getting hammered and getting injured. Um, but I don't know. I just think we're trying to find a spot for Jaden that works instead of playing him in the spot that he should be played in. And if he works, he works. If not, then we let Jaden go. So a bit worried about Jaden, but I'd love to see him um, turn into a bit of a Kyle Langford and just have a breakout year. I really would. To keep the uh, the ball rolling, sorry, uh, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody's our next player. Very interesting one to talk about. Uh, he was our leading goal kicker uh, for 2020. I uh, with 19 goals. Um, uh, what a year. What a year. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, look, there's always, with, with Waller, there's there's always huge positive and, and there's an obvious negatives. And um, the, the positives I'll go with first. An incredibly good team player, likes to bring guys into the game. I think with ball in hand, the most gifted player on the list as far as thinking through uh, yep. the game and, and yep. distributing the ball. Now, with that, his averaging disposal of 8.6 is my other, is probably the negative part of it. And I know he plays in a very tricky position where it's not always it's not always going to happen. And, and small forwards are, traditionally have a lot of quiet games because if the midfield's not going well, you, it's usually a, a byproduct of that. But I guess... He is getting a little bit of more midfield time, getting rotation, and and I'd like just to see him learn the craft of just winning the ball more. Uh, because I say that because if he can get up to thirteen to fifteen disposals per game, uh, it has such a big impact. Because you you could almost imagine four of those of those six possessions added extra will be score involvements, because uh, that, that's the kind of player he is. Um, yeah. So immensely talented, uh, great. Uh, I mean, you, you couldn't get a better as far as character and personality in a club. Uh, people love him, you know, 
is an absolute joy to watch when flying. But there's there's always, like every player we're going to speak to, there's always improvements. And I think just if he can get his disposals from the 8 to, to 14 to 15, then Essendon Football Club becomes a lot better side. I have no negatives for – like, yeah, you're 100% right, Scott. I don't mean to dis- dismiss <laughs> what you're saying. You're 1,000% right um, in regard to him needing to be involved more. But, like, everything that that dude stands for, like, I would love him to be in the leadership group next year. Everything about that guy is what I want the club to be. I want I want efficient players who are creative, who are smart, who are great teammates – who are great human beings, everything about Anthony McDonald's and Moody, I want the rest of the team to stand for. Uh, yeah. Works his ass off. Like I, I want, I have no, I, I, you're not going to hear me say a bad word about him. I, I think he's, the whole thing earlier this year with him passing off and getting hate, like Essendon fans, stop, please, for the love of God, stop making Essendon fans look bad by doing that. Um, incredible, incredible talent that, yeah, I, I have no negatives about him. I love him. Yeah, look, Waller for mine is yeah everything you want to be as a person and as an AFL footballer. I think, Scotty, your point on getting more involved in the game, it's, it's a very good one. It's been Waller's probably Achilles heel for the last couple of years. But again, how we, everybody in the forward line deserves a half a pass for us, right? Yeah, for that midfield, yeah. Yeah, right. Because with our midfield and how we deliver it in there, that they just the poor buggers. The amount of times I saw Waller lead out for a ball and not get hit lace out because yep. you're not you're not keeping up with Waller over 25 meters, over 20 25 30 meters. You're not keeping up with the bloke. But then he'll go screaming outside 50 or towards a 50, and the ball won't get won't hit him in the nose. It goes up. He has to stop, prop, move backwards. And honest to goodness, I could spoil Waller in a situation like that because the ball gets dumped on the poor bloke's head. So, And then when the way the ball's been coming into the forward line, it's expected that Waller does some sort of magic and kicks the ball over his head to kick a goal or something like that. So, look, Waller's great. Get off Waller's back in a big and serious way. We, we did for a little minute there and then we stopped. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, nothing wrong with Waller whatsoever. And I will. I want to bring this up too real quick, and I'll shoot this down very quickly. Um, part of that quantity issue in the midfield that we talked about on the last podcast I think is another big reason why he often doesn't get involved in games. He has to stay in the forward line because we have yeah. Merritt, McGraw, mm. Heppel. Uh, we pop Stringer in there for center clearances from time to time. Uh, like X, Y, and Z, right? Like we can keep going down the line. Parrish is in the midfield a lot. Langford's in the midfield a decent amount. I think that's a big reason why it's a quantity issue oftentimes for him. Like I would love to see him get in the middle for center clearances uh, on center bounces a little bit more often to get him involved, but we still have space for him oftentimes. And I think that can be a little bit frustrating. Yep. Uh, Just to keep the ball rolling, Andrew McGrath, uh, fantastic year. Uh, I'm so wrapped that they played him in the midfield all year. Uh, I, I just felt like, Please, please develop this guy into that role. Um, I think he's a clearance specialist coming through. That's my personal. When I was talking about Lockie Neal, I I watched when it, when you see his games as a junior. If you ever go to YouTube, just watch some of his. Watch the grand final uh, of of the of the TAC Cup that he played. They move him into the midfield in the second half. And he has 
He has an insane, he has like 25 possessions and 12 clearances kind of like, you know, it's insane what he does in that second half of that grand final to, to get the win. Uh, so he's, he's a very, he's obviously still young, um, uh, but, you know, he, he had a nice breakout year. No doubt he would say to himself that he's got to clean up his ball movement um, and, and more, I guess, just getting his kicking action to a, to a better point to be a bit more damaging. But um, outside of that, his competitiveness and his, his desire to win games uh, is why people talk about a future leader at the club. Sammy. Monster year, clearance specialist, totally agree. Uh, in terms of where he goes next, future captain of the club, he would have been my pick for the Crichton had he not missed the final three games of the season. Yeah. Um, everything that he did this year was everything that I could have hoped for from a number one overall pick. Yep. You know. <laughs> so let's go on to uh, – look, we'll make this one quite quick. Um, Connor McKenna, obviously, uh, we know – look, we all know the story. Had the year from hell, by the way, <laughs> uh, outside of everything. Um, you could tell he mentally was really struggling um, just to get motivated this year, and he, he's now in, in subsequent interviews kind of it, sort of illustrated that, that he – you know, he even t- told the coaches that he wasn't quite sure whether to put his hand up. He didn't know if he had the desire to play. And that's the kind of year that that unfolded. He clearly wanted to go home. Um, and you know what? That's within his right. It's family. So that's a situation, it, it, you know, obviously a magical player to watch in full flight. So I, I, I do think, I hope we don't underestimate what, how much is going to be missed because I, I disregard this year. If, you, if it was Conor McKenna last year, uh, that's a big loss to the side because uh, unfortunately he actually released Saad as well. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so it was a flow-on effect. So Saad having to do a lot more shutdown roles this year because of McKenna in and out of the side obviously affected his ability to get our running game going. So that's a that's a big thing that the Essendon's got in the off-season is, is more as how they're going to replace McKenna, um, it, whether they do that through trade or not. And there's obviously some players' names that have been mentioned. Um, the, um, you got the guy from St Kilda, his name escaped me. Um, ben Patton. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's, you know, I doubt St Kilda would let him go, but that's exactly the kind uh, of shutdown uh, small small defender that you you would like to have in your side not not offensively gifted as the other guys but he can go on a on a job on a small forward and, and get the job done so uh yeah it's just a just a shame but you know it's just, for me it's just a genuine wishing connor all the best all the best with family and, and he talked about maybe coming back in a couple of years but we'll see but i'm not going to hold my breath but it is it's kind of like a bit of a it is what it is <laughs> it's going to be a loss but we move on the way that Australian media handled Connor McKenna was so disgraceful. I mean, we talked about that on the last podcast that I was on. Yeah. Um, it, 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 you could tell that like it wore on him. Um, it, yeah. I, it's, I mean, incredibly creative player. I really will miss watching him. I, I think the team will miss his creativity. Yeah. 
I was really kind of interested in what I saw from the forward line, Connor McKenna. Uh, I think that the forward line could generally use a bit more creativity, uh, but with Joe hopefully coming back, even by the time that this gets released, he might have announced that he's leaving. <laughs> but, like yeah. Joe and McDonald, McDonald Tip and Woody, like those two guys are very creative. But other than that, I think that it often does uh, kind of fall on someone like a McKenna or someone like him to get the creativity up. Uh, I would have been intrigued by seeing where that experiment would have mm -hmm. gone. I think he's best as a half yeah. back. But if you really wanted to play forward, I would have been intrigued. Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm very much the same. I, thank you very much for your for your time at Essendon, Connor. He he, when we first saw him, I think the very first game I saw him play was against Richmond, and he was about as far off from being an AFL footballer <laughs> as you could possibly be. Um, and he just got better and better and better each year. He improved. He started playing in games. He started showing us why he was so highly highly regarded. He his evasive skills were incredible. His run was great. Um, and then he just started to, to realize how to play AFL football. Um, and then, mate, I, I understand I was I was stood on a mountain in Georgia um, roughly six months ago from today, and I was supposed to be walking for another six months up the east coast of the US, and um, I, I realized I couldn't stay that long away from my family. Um, I just yeah. got this massive pull from home, and it was incredible. So I don't – I don't um, – uh, I don't – feel bad about that at all and and he has to, he had to go home so just a great player for the club and thank you very much connor so um we spoke about sean mckernan who was going to be next but we actually mentioned him before so we'll go on to zach Merritt. actually zach Merritt, we actually covered quite a lot in a previous conversation yeah. as well um but look yeah uh, very quick for me zach Merritt, uh like we said should be in the leadership group next year uh came second in the Crichton. very very consistent performer um, averaging 26 disposals. Um, yeah, he. you know what you get with Zach Merritt. Uh, I, I still think he would feel that he has another level to go to as far as ball use because he's, he's classier than he, probably what he's shown this year. But outside of that, that's very small pickings if I'm just mentioning something that he could work on. <laughs> but outside of that, he was obviously a very good player uh, again. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to 2021 with him and, and hopefully he gets a sense of the clubs moving in the right direction because I think from what I hear, he's, he's asking that question like Sadi about, about the club and making sure the club's in the right direction. So let's, let's handle that second. The first thing I do want to note is I, I was not super pleased with Zach Merritt early in the season, but from the Adelaide game onward, yeah, he was by far the team's best player. It wasn't yeah. even debatable. He was a superstar from that moment onward. Uh, was the only guy that would consistently lower his eyes and find guys uh, in the inside 50 from that 20 to 40 yard or 40 meter area uh, in order to get shots at goal. Was great throughout the ground. Obviously, is always very uh, voluminous in terms of disposals. Awesome player. Uh, having said that the second question here is key i really would strongly consider moving him if he doesn't want to resign mm. oh okay if he's not willing to do it i think he goes like i i, I get it like i i would understand not wanting to be here <laughs> yeah but well, he, there's like, a from what i hear there's a there's a there's a quite a number of guys that 
just feel like they're at the crossroads of wanting success in that mid-20s group. Um, and we've got right. Sadi and Zach Merritt, and they're just assessing what does the next four or five years look like because I, I want success now. Um, and and that's that's a healthy response from players because, I mean, I, I said that about Saad during the week that I'm not – some fans were putting on Saad to be loyal and everything like that. I, I'm more, I'm more appreciative of Saad p- putting it back on the club, because I mean, these, 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 the, they're that second and third in the Crichton, right? They're doing their role. They're playing their hearts out. Um, so they have every right to look at the playing list and look at the and look at the club, and say, you tell me what success looks like. Like, like I'm working my butt off. Um, so you know what's happening. You know, w- let's talk about the game plan. Let's talk about this. I have no problem with with players like that who put in uh, and a top five in the in the Crichton to challenge the club to be better. So I I think that is leadership. So I I'm, and I want nothing more than Zach Merritt to stay on this team. Like I want him to absolutely be a long term piece of this club. But he's a free agent after next season. Yeah. So you got to respect that. Yeah. I would not want to be in the same position that the club was in with Joe Danaher next year. I mean, look like this, it's a big part of it too, is what does Joe do? What does Saad do? If those two leave and it creates a cascading effect where Zach's like, look, I'm, you know, leaning toward not resigning next year. I think Zach's a great player. I would love nothing more than for him to be in the leadership group going forward, but it might be, it might be the move. That's controversial. Um, I I wouldn't trade Zach Merritt for all the tea in China, uh, myself. If he and but that again, that's that's prefaced with the fact that if he doesn't want to be there, I I go along with our brand new president along the lines of if you don't want to be here and you don't want to play for the club, then tell us now and we will find the best way to get you to a place where you need to be because you've put in efforts for the Essendon Footy Club and we'll help you get to where you need to be. But Honestly, I don't think Zach's at that point in his life. I think there's frustration within the club, within the players' playing list, and I can completely understand that. Um, but I don't think it's to the point where you're going to get a mass exodus and the likes of the club champions like Merritt and that are going to go and find any place. But I understand where you're coming from, but I would I would move heaven and earth um, to keep I, Zach Merritt. I think it's where I see Sam's coming from is is – Basically, if you finish 12th next year and you don't have a good year and you've got a guy who's a free agent and you can then you have to weigh up the now, the then and nows. You either lose him for nothing because he could easily just go and say, actually, this club's not going to have success. I'm gone. And it's like there's nothing we get out of it. Um, that's we'll the, get a the, compensation pick, but yeah. You get yeah. a compensation pick, but yeah, but you know you're going to get a good deal. It's it's, it's a tricky one. Look, I, I, I'm, I am being a little bit hard-assed, but I'm going to move things along. Um, Irving Mosquito, I'm not going to spend too much on because two parts, he obviously won't play next year, so it's 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 a tough call. Played four games. Obviously, this first game was was very, very exciting. Uh, exactly, you know, I mean, he, he's one of those players, you just smile. <laughs> he just has that ability just uh, that just makes you smile when you watch him play. He obviously, uh, yeah, he's got a lot of gifts, a lot of tricks. Um, way too early to 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 really know, understand over Mosquito as a whole. Um, you sense there's quite a lot of maturing to happen. Um, just a very, very sad end to the year because uh, you, yeah. you're really excited about what he could have next year, but... 
just a shame. But um, that's that's all I can say because it's it's just with him not playing next year, there's not much else to talk about until we see 2022. Yep, fascinating player. Like very interesting just in terms of the way he plays like long strides doesn't look like he's moving as fast as he is kind of mm-hmm. but then he's just covering ground like crazy yeah uh yeah i'm very interested i'm very yep. very interested to see where his career goes so we go to darcy parish uh, uh to a very interesting player on the list he, he's one of those players that you know it has one of the biggest debates about the way we're playing him some say they're fine with they're playing him uh, he's not good enough to be full-time midfielder. Others, you know, Callum Toomey is obviously very strong on that Darcy Parrish is a midfielder and needs to be developed there every game uh, because you're going to have a very good nucleus of McGrath, um, Langford and Parrish and Merritt coming through and get that nucleus in now. So it's a very interesting debate because clearly – you know, if you think of how much forward time he had this year and then look at his tackling averages um, compared to – which is around, you know, close to the other main midfielders, you know, it's 4.2 clearances and, you know, Shields the highest at 4.9. Considering how much forward time he had this year, you can see he would probably lead our side in clearances um, if he was a full-time midfielder there. So – Kicking again um, and decision-making, he, his biggest development for me is just having another half second to think about the game when he gets the ball. Uh, just, you know, I know sometimes you're going to get rushed and you can't help that, but there's other times where he does have two metres on a guy and he kicks very quickly and very almost in a, in a bit of a panic and he just needs to learn that experience and composure just to have that little half a second more just to um, navigate what's ahead of him and choose the right option. If he gets that element to him, then he excels himself quite a lot for me as a, as a really good midfielder coming through. But again, um, a real competitor. Uh, and I thought every time, like that, like the Sydney game when he in the last quarter when they moved him to the – he won the game. He won the game. He was simply the sole reason we won that Sydney game. And, 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 and there's moments like that where they do move him to the midfield in the second half and he, and he gets his six, five or six clearances very quickly and he can have a, a, a quite an effect on, on the way we play. So I'd rather have him develop as a full-time mid. Totally agree. I I don't think he's a forward. He's definitely a midfielder. I I want him to play full-time in the midfield. I want him to play full-time as an inside midfielder. I totally agree with the clearances point. And I totally agree with the disposal efficiency point. I would go harder though. Like I think he's really not very efficient at all Mm -hmm. in regard to his kicking. Um, that that's the improvement point that that's where he needs to get to because right now he honestly makes it a little bit tough to play him there because he just kind of puts the boot on the ball and prays. And again, his junior career, he was known as a good kick. They actually got him knowing it as a, as a, uh, a guy who had a lot of disposals, but could kick efficiently. So uh, yeah. you wonder what, where that went. Um, I remember hearing Cal Toomey's reports and everything like that. And it was, his kicking was never a, a talking point. Um, and you saw the highlights and he's, and it looks fine. 
Um, but I gotta, I gotta stick up. I gotta stick up for Darcy. I gotta stick up for the man. The midfield, the the fact everybody's disposal efficiency, and if I look at your your um your spreadsheet, Scott, everybody's disposal efficiency ain't real special. Yeah, right? like everybody's all of the midfielders. Where's Andy McGrath? Andy McGrath, 68% from Andy McGrath, right? The reason that I've got to stick up here, the reason why our midfielders' disposal efficiency ain't real special is Darcy Parrish Jordan Ridley with his with his boot on a ball? No, right? I appreciate that call. But the reason why everybody's disposal efficiency is down this year is because of the fugly way we, we were either taught or all of a sudden we've just made yeah. decisions on where and how to kick the ball. Every single time you see a midfielder get the ball in our side, A, we had no time to do anything beautiful and hit Braden Ham on a wing um, with a beautiful um, midfield pass. We put the ball on our boot and we kicked it across our body or down the line just without thinking. Every single time the players did that. The reason yep. not Darcy Parrish, Darcy Parrish is um, a result of not being developed by the Essendon Football Club. If I've got to hang it on the club for one thing, it is Darcy Parrish. Kyle Langford developed despite the way we treated the kid. Um, but um, Darcy Parrish is a direct result of being played. The kid is a midfielder every single day of the week. But yeah. we put him in a forward line and we put him at a high half forward and we put all... It's weird. Every time the kid plays in a midfield, he wins um, incredible amounts of ball and clearances and the like. Now, if we can actually, if Blake Carousella can actually do something and get us to play a midfield that you don't say this about McRae and you don't say this about um, still side bottom and these guys like, okay, Darcy's, I don't know, is he on those on that sort of level? Maybe, maybe not. But um, the disposal efficiency is because the ball is being kicked across their bloody body the, the whole time they play the game. So I, I don't know about the, the I know he, everybody needs to improve their disposal efficiency. I, I agree with that, but you've got to keep in mind that the way that they were playing this year, being taught or otherwise, is not going to help everybody's disposal efficiency. It just ain't. Well, there's two points uh, can I make to that. Um, Essendon have two things that I think need to be addressed. They they have a real desire for stoppages, not centre clearances, for stoppages to have an extra man around the stoppages. Um, and that's how they like to set up. And, you know, you go to any game and you'll see the difference between center, center clearances and stoppages were always a lot more ahead. And that's they think that's, the, that's where they get that advantage. What comes out of that, though, is a very crammed, a lot of players around the ball. And what, we're not, what we don't do well is spread as a team. Yep. We're actually, we're, mm. whether that's fitness or, or, or whatever it is, or there's just too many guys around the ball, but we don't have a West Coast kind of, all right, someone's got it spread. Make room, make um, – Preach. Give, 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 give them an option to use where we're almost forced to then kick it long or kick it in a hurry. Uh, so that's, that's, um, that's to me the, the element where this side um, has to improve. They've got to – the midfield's got to learn to spread better and create more – options and better ball movement through their spread and not you know how many times do we have guys handball a one meter handball in tight con congested areas mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and it was like three or four and it ended up just yep. being a turnover because the space just wasn't there uh where we needed to we needed to have guys 
to sprint out of a contest and create some space to have a, a 25 meter kick to the left or right to then yeah, open that's up the, the Darcy game. kick. That's yeah. the Darcy kick. That 25 meter kick is the Darcy kick that I'm talking about. Get the ball, turn, put on the jets for two or three steps, look up and see Braden Ham running 25 meters away instead of trying to handball yep. it to Dylan Shield, who handballs it dinky to bloody to McGrath to then trying to get an underground handball to somebody and then a little kick. So yeah, that's much where I was coming from. And, and I also want to bring up this point as well. The spread isn't just on offense as well. Our defensive positioning is dreadful and it's mm-hmm. why midfields consistently just tear us apart. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time that we play the Bulldogs, every single time that we play <laughs> Geelong, it is like yeah. they just absolutely tear us apart. And it's because our positioning in the zone that they've been running under Wusha for years. And this, this isn't even a, I think this is a Wusha thing, like a hundred percent because right. it's been happening for many, many years now. That's the biggest thing that I think they need to fix along with the clearances. It's positioning all the way. It's coaching all the way. I'm really glad that you brought that up grant in terms of, just the disposal efficiencies being low because of the coaching and because of the scheme. And I'm really glad that Scott brought up the idea of having to spread. I think it's the biggest thing that holds us back right now. Yep. So let's go on to Andrew Phillips. I'm not going to spend a lot of time played five games. I think a very, very good backup Ruckman um, yeah. played, played, Perfect. He's a perfect backup Ruckman. Um, he actually yep. looks too much like Francis. <laughs> yes. Does very confusing. He actually averaged the most hitouts out of any Ruckman we have when he when he did play. So, um, uh, he, and you know he can you know he actually averaged four clearances as a Ruckman. He has a good follow up, uh, yep. uh, competitive presence. So, there's not much else I'm going to say. Look, I th- to Sam Draper, he will be the backup Ruckman, but it's actually a very good backup Ruckman position to have. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. There's not much, not much more to say on him other than welcome to the club, mate. That's a great little get. Uh, perfect backup Ruckman, high energy, um, wants to be there and is a good tap Ruckman and all. So can take a grab. So thanks very much. We'll take him. Yes, similarly to Draper as well, a very good athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, so don't have to like really like, look, the chemistry is going to be off with the midfielders anytime you change a Ruckman, but like a similar play style to Draper that I think is going to help uh, whenever you have to go to that second rock. Yep. Look, the, the next guy, Mason Redman, to, uh, uh, how do I say this? Mason Redman's bad actually, this year. Let's just yeah, say it. Mason Redman, <laughs> frustratingly, is one of my favorite players. Um, <laughs> and, and we didn't get the 2017 um, Mason Redman that I know can play much, much better football. Now, Again, you know, you know when when people you have player sponsorships and that you get to talk to them. Now, obviously, he discussed um, having osteitis pubis um, uh, recently, um, and, and him just getting over that. Now he's saying he's over that, but uh, he never felt like his body or confidence. He actually said mentally his confidence hadn't come back um, through that, uh, and that's played out. In, in how he's in how he's been so um i won't say too much but mason at by the end of the year was a struggling man in, in more ways than one so that's all i'll put it at. And, and i he needed a he needed to break um his better will be his body will be much better for it and, and i think you'll see a much better mason redmond next year um 
that is more like the Mason Red when we knew that was coming through in 2017 and bits of 18. That's all. He was, gr- he was great in 2019. Well, he was fantastic, yeah, I yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. And he plays the oh, style. Actually, that I did I mean eighteen nineteen. Line, I realized I did mean eighteen nineteen. Sorry, yeah, not seventeen. Yes. And he, and he plays a style that I think the back line needs because he is kind of an enforcer. Like he is yeah. tough. He is not afraid to get in anyone's face yeah. and play just physical as hell. I I want to like him. Like I would I would love for him to play really well next year. He wasn't very good this year. It, yeah, he Just was the way it is, yeah. <laughs> inefficient with ball. He was he got beaten pretty regularly. He was out of position a decent amount. Like it, it was what it was. That's that's what it yeah. Sounds like there were reasons. Yeah. So yeah. I hope he comes back but this year and gets better. He's got a he's got a good amount of size about him. Um he uses the ball very well by foot. Um again, something you want in the back line. And yeah, no, that this season was not him. There's there's reasons. Um and um, I'm looking for. He's actually on one of my my top five that I'm really looking forward to next year, um, taking the next step um, and coming back because we he was sorely missed this year. Yeah, actually. we really did miss him. Like, yeah. we really, really did. Yeah. He's a, he's actually quite a good offensive player too. When and we lost a whole lot of stuff from Mason Redmond of what he's good at. So, next guy, I mean, is the quiet medalist <laughs> Jordan Ridley uh, played 26 games in his career. Uh, so there you go. So. I mean, what else is there to say? Um, just an exceptional breakout year. And, and credit to um, uh, our good friend, uh, Neil, because uh, we had a podcast, I think, in February, and and Neil had been watching the preseason. And I, I, we asked him the question, said, all right, in, in a month or two when the games start, who are we talking about? Or who are we going to talk about at the end of the year? Neil, without any hesitation, said Jordan really is going to be a star this year. Um, That's awesome. And, and he said, he said, you just – and I hadn't gone to training then because work was too busy. I started more in, in March and April to look at a few training sessions. But he, he was going to every training session and he would text me and he and that postcard said – Jordan really is going to be a star this year, not just a 22 player. He's going to be a star this year and just wait and see. And he said that on a podcast and boy, was he right. So um, it, just a, a huge year. Um, couldn't be more happier. You know, the most comfortable player outside of, of Waller with ball in hand um, that I, <laughs> I'm not a most calmest fan with ball in hand with Jordan really uh, with the ball. So, um, yep. Mate, like yeah, I mean, huge, star, start. Yeah, start. Like he's he's going to be everything we think he's going to be. Um, he again, he's real skinny. It shouldn't be shouldn't be taking the kind of marks that he does inside of packs. And um, there's a there's a bloke who knows how to position himself, knows what his talents are, makes good decisions in the back line. Um, there, there's an example of a kid that actually was brought through by the club. Well. Um, he was a young kid. We brought him into the the side. He's played a few years in the in the twos. He's come in for a couple of games. He's gone back to the twos, and now we're playing him. Um, he's grown through the club, and, mate, um, that, that bloke signed that kid up for the rest of his natural life. Yeah, just an absolute star. I think the biggest thing that I've noticed, I mean, the only VFL game I've ever gone to was play, a finals game in 2018 yep. down in Port Melbourne. And the first thing that I noticed with Ridley was just his ability to dispose of ball and kick the ball in a straight line on a line directly to a target. And even for the last couple of years, that's been missing. 
from yes. like the entire list. So <laughs> yes. someone being able to do that actually stood out. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be a star. I mean, he's already a star. Yeah. Like he's going to be a longtime leader of the club. He's great. Uh, and also, just just before we move on, completely ripped off on the All Australian. Um, Darcy Moore doesn't deserve to carry Jordan Ridley's shoelaces, um, let alone bloody, uh, let alone get an All Australian centre half back spot. Um, mate, tell you what, more Eddie Maguire influence there. So yeah, just when you when when you're thinking about the All Australian uh, centre half back, it's Jordan Ridley. It ain't the it ain't pretty boy with his hairdo and his um and his little hairnet going on. You really do hate Collingwood, don't you? Um, I dislike the club <laughs> immensely, and I also dislike it when they get bloody Darcy Moore. Like Darcy, Darcy Moore's like was he a forward? Is he a back? Like he's the sun even shines on a dog's bum some years, <laughs> and that's what happened to Darcy Moore this year. Jordan Ridley performed incredibly well, got beaten exactly zero times, took every mark that was humanly able to be taken. Kicks better than Darcy Moore, makes better decisions than Darcy Moore, but Eddie uh, has a wink at somebody and uh, old hairdo gets a bloody go at centre-half back. So, yeah, don't like that at all. But moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> oh, we'll go into, uh, we'll go into <laughs> Adam Saad. Uh, I mean, again, a bit like Ridley, I actually had probably after about round eight, Saadi leading the Crichton medal um, myself. Uh and look, I'm so glad he finished in the top three. Dearly hope he stays with the club. Um, my gut feel is he will, um, but that's just a that's just gut feel. Um, but yeah, but uh, I I won't say too much. Just I, I've boasted about him in nearly every second show this year. So I'll let you guys speak. But he's just had an exceptional year and and, and gets us out of danger so many times. Uh, it's not funny. The, the thing that terrifies me about Saad is that Zach Williams is getting enough money to where GWS, it seems like, is going to get uh, first-round compensation for him. And Adam Saad is a better player than Zach Williams. Uh, that, that, that concerns me a little bit <laughs> uh, in regard to someone maybe just like drastically lavishing a contract on him that I don't know that I feel comfortable paying being a hack just period i guess is maybe the way to put it <laughs> yeah. uh, not necessarily like adam sod might be the best halfback in the competition or at least he's one of the top five but like paying a halfback eight hundred fifty thousand dollars doesn't really interest me from a cap allocation perspective um great player <laughs> unbelievable him. speed lockdown defender, everything that you could ask for from a halfback, he can achieve it. Uh, even kicked a few goals this year, uh, you know, maybe two or three, I would bet. Um, awesome, awesome player, long kick, obviously a good decision maker, everything you could want out of a halfback, he's it. But mm. I just really hope that the Essendon is able to keep it for a reasonable price at least. Yeah, I think with um old mate from GWS, what's his name, going to Carlton, I've seen more exactly. articles that yeah, exactly, yeah. Um they're they're overpaying again. They're they're significantly apparently they're significantly going to overpay um for Zach Williams to get him to come down from GWS. And I don't doubt that going to Carlton, you'd you'd need to pay somebody extra. But um I, I agree with you, Sam, in that Sadi's wildly important, but it needs to be at the right price. We 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 have to have room to 
add to this club because there are some areas we need to add to the club and we need to have some salary cap to do it. I don't think Sadi's that mercenary, to be quite honest. I don't think he's... When he came down to Melbourne, he's, his family's from around um, the northern suburbs. He loves playing with the Dons. He can go home and see his um, wife and his kids um, much easier playing down here for the Dons. And I just think it's a situation again, and I, I stand to be corrected. I sincerely hope not, Sadi, if you're listening. Um, but uh, I think I stand to be corrected on this one is, again, that everybody's frustrated. There's a lot of players that are frustrated, and Sadi has almost the most reason to be the most frustrated because – his 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 mate his um little spud mate on the other end of the halfback line um is gone. He's playing shutdown roles that he's not really there to do. I just hope the club sits down to him and says, "Right, Osadi, here is more money because you deserve it." Right, a reasonable amount of more money here, and maybe a little bit overs um to keep you. But what we really want to show you, and the reason why we want to keep you, is the plan for the centre half back line, which will make it so that you don't have to be a shutdown defender. That's what I hope they do because that's what I think will keep Sadi um, from chasing that extra 200 grand um, at uh, some other club. Mm. Can I um, move on to uh, Dylan Scheel? So, uh, again, uh, you know, a bit like Danaher and a few others, it's, it's probably uh, the name that, that you get the most argument from. Uh, Dylan Scheel, obviously, you know, he, his stats look more than fine. Like, he's obviously a competent player, very good player, you know, um, uh, you know, it's interesting, actually. Um, uh, actually, you know what? I'm gonna. I want to talk about Dylan Shield and Devin Smith and Will Snelling as a group. So let's go to a commercial, and and we'll have a bit of a conversation about all three. And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now, coming back to wrap it up with the last few names. Who are we starting with, Scotty? Okay, so we want to do a bit of a group discussion. Um, it was an interesting one because in the Crichton medal, uh, the next three guys actually came 8th, 9th, and 10th, uh, which is all kind of interesting because probably the guy who came 10th is, is a much more highly regarded player. So, um, And the guy who came 8th is, is won the Crichton medal. So it's, it was an interesting – I thought we could – lump them all in together and have a discussion, which is Dylan Scheel, uh, Devin Smith and Will Snelling. Uh, I'll, I'll just make my quick points. Scheel, uh, look, uh, no doubt there's a lens that I, I probably treat him more harshly because of, of whether it's unfair or not because we, we gave up so much to get him uh, and he was kind of your marquee player. He's your 900K uh, plus player. I've never really felt like what we've paid and what he was probably built up to be has um, come to fruition yet. But in saying that, he's probably not played the role that he would typically play that shines in that in that in that um, in in how he's meant to play. So or how he did for GWS anyway. GWS had a lot more clearance and big body guys and they got it out to Shield, which made him more dangerous. We actually rely on Shield to be in and under and get the ball. Uh, so I, I do get that. And, um, and look, Devin Smith clearly had an indifferent year 
um, his first half of the year was just it, it, for me it was it was really really poor. Whether that's his body coming back from injury, um, that that could be a worthwhile discussion uh, and an, an excuse. But uh, he once he he played off that half back role probably the last six games. Look, he played well, but I still never really felt like I want him there. And even though he played it okay. Uh, I still would rather him play through the midfield if he's up and running and in full flight. Um, but he just never looked like he was moving as well as I'd you know seen him previously. Like especially in his Crichton year, I never felt we got that player back. And 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 obviously that long term injury may have had a bit of an effect on that. So I'm hoping with the uh, I guess an extra preseason you get to see a, a much better Devon Smith because. Um, uh, and even for him, averaging three point eight tackles is very rare for him. Like he's, <laughs> he had one year where he almost averaged eight or nine. <laughs> um, so it just there's just a few things off for him this year. Will Snelling, just quickly, um, is to me it's like your classic coach wants to you to play a role, um, and your role is a, as as a defensive forward. Uh, and he played that pretty well, and it got him into the top 10 of the Crichton. Uh, he's not going to be a well-beater. He's not, you know, I won't say he's a magically creative player or anything like that. He just puts in. He's just work ethic uh, and, and plays his role, um, and that got him uh, to a to the ninth position. I, I want to ask you, Sam, how did you feel when Will Snelling <coughs> came ninth and Dylan Shield came 10th? What were your <laughs> thoughts? Oh, uh, bewilderment. Maybe that's the way to put it. Uh, I get it from the perspective of Will Snelling probably performed his role better than Dylan Scheel. Dylan Scheel is a much more effective damaging football player, even in a season where he didn't play his best like this season. Uh, he's just a more effective football player. Like there's not really another way to say it, to be honest. Um, he gets way more defensive attention. Like there are games where he just gets flat tagged. Uh, yeah, he won true. us three games at the beginning of the year. Like, I think he's going to end up with double digit Brownlow votes because I think he's going to get three <laughs> votes from three games. Yep. Yep early in the year and it was almost too, I think, too, it was almost too good that he got tagged <laughs> he got to shut down walls immediately yeah like i think that dylan shield finishing 10th in our in the Crichton, and devin smith being a Crichton medalist and will snelling finishing ninth in the Crichton medal this year speaks to this misguided maybe maybe it's not misguided maybe it's uh misevaluated misvalued deal that this coaching staff had under wusha where they would value pressure and tackles more than actual like damaging meters gaining play and that's backwards and bad in my opinion <laughs> Like it drives me nuts. Uh, it, it genuinely drives me nuts. Dylan Shields, not a number one midfielder. Uh, it, it's fine that he's not, but he's not. Um, Will Snelling's definitely in our best 22 and he's a great story. 
uh, I love the fact that he plays for the team that I root for because I love rooting for Will Snelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big Devin Smith guy. Uh, I don't really get it. I actually think he's a half forward. Uh, I don't think he's a midfielder okay. because it kind of gets back to the whole we have way too many midfielders yeah. discussion. Yep. yep. Right. And I think that his creativity as a goal scorer is actually kind of impressive. I think he's really creative as a goal scorer. And his creativity in the half forward line, I think, would be fantastic uh, for this team. So I would play him there. Uh, I, the halfback thing didn't work at all. He had like a 67 disposal efficiency or something like that playing halfback and like entering the ball into play and like halfbacks can't have a 67 disposal efficiency. And I know that he played midfield throughout like, you know, the first half of the year, but he's not an efficient ball user and never has been. He's an energy player. Who's creative around goal. Mm. No, no. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think there's much for me to add to that, to be quite honest. I think you're 100% right. Devin Smith as well. I think his half-back role this season is, I think they've used him because he's got some experience, um, but he's undersized back there. Um, the likes of a, the role that I think is best suited to what Devin Smith is doing is actually Dyson Heppel. Um, I think Dyson yeah. Heppel, across half-back, has got the size to take a bit of a mark if it's required. Um, and he's got enough calm about him to be able to make some decent decisions coming out of halfback. He would need to be a bit more consistent with his ball handling off halfback. But the the, the Goddard role off halfback, I like as an idea, um, and the, the Luke Hodge kind of role off halfback, but it ain't um, Devin Smith. Um, I think he he did well in that role, but I agree with you, um, Sam, in that he's a half forward to a forward. Um, if he's not going to put in the kind of gut-busting and um, uh, efforts that saw him lead the league and or break records in tackles and all this sort of stuff in the midfield, then put him in the forward line. Um, put him opposite Waller in the forward line and have him kick you to a game. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's some more work to be done with what we specifically do with Devin Smith as well. Can I um, can I move to James Stewart? Uh, I, I'll be interested to hear what you say and what you thought. Uh Look, coming back from that crippling injury, which is sim- obviously the copycat of Joe's, so it's interesting looking at him and at, at both of them coming back with the same injury after long stints out. There's an element there where he, he played pretty well. I, I felt like his last four or five games were much better than his first two or three games for obvious reasons. He, as the year went on, he started yep. to, he started to click better. Um, he was he was he was kicking goals. Um, they tried him in, at a couple in the last two games in the back line. Um, didn't didn't look out of place. Um, uh, his mobility still was like mm, uh, I was, it was like fifty fifty for me whether it may work or not. But it was an option there. But there's definitely um, there sounds like they're going to sign him up for another couple of years soon. They're going to make an announcement, so he's going to be around. Um, but there is a play there. He's um, kind of like yeah. You never feel like you're gonna if out of ten, you're not gonna get a, a a burst of between eight and ten on performance, and but you're not gonna get a a below four. He's gonna be this yeah. middle tier where he's gonna be very serviceable, um, uh, and and at his best, he's gonna kick you three or four goals, uh, uh, and but you know, he he he's he's kind of that's what you get for James Stewart. It's gonna be very solid without being a star. I. I don't think he's a back at all. Like, I don't think he's a defender at all. I don't think he's fast enough. I don't think he's mobile mm. enough. I, I didn't love what I saw there. 
Um, I do think he's a good forward, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he can be a second tall forward any day of the week uh, for a team. And if a team wants to play only one tall in the forward line, that's fine, too. Uh, he's an incredible backup tall to have. I really am ecstatic that he'll be around. Uh, I think the issue that I worry about with him is it's hard to have as many inconsistent kickers around goal as we have if Joe resigns. And yeah, I agree to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of tough, I think. But I'm in. Uh, I think it's a smart resigning. Uh, he's a good depth forward. And, uh, I'm glad that he's healthy now, for sure. And I'm glad that the coaching staff is interested in using him now. Yes. So can we go to Jake Stringer then? Uh, this would be an interesting one. Uh, I only played the 10 games, so obviously he had the, that major injury. I thought before that injury, he was he was, um, he was was as dangerous as forward as, as we had. Uh, he was kicking goals. Uh, you know, obviously we weren't delivering that well, but he was creating goals out of nothing. Um, and that's the beauty of Jake Stringer is, is he has that ability to score when not everything's going well um, and, and we're not functioning that well. He, he, can, cre- he can give you one or two um, goals a quarter just to hold the, hold the group together in some ways just from sheer, um, uh, I guess, brilliance just by himself. Uh, so at the, at the end of the year, obviously he came back after the injury, um, um, probably, you know, not overly fit, uh, if I'm being, if I'm being honest, uh, and and that's just something that happened. Uh, it didn't, you couldn't tell he was a completely different player. Couldn't kind of run out the quarters as, as well, but you know, you know what you're going to get with Jake Stringer. You just need him fit. Um, if he can have a big yeah. off season, you know you've got a, a very, very gifted footballer uh, that c- causes mayhem for defenders. He's an All Australian when healthy. He's the closest thing this team has to a game breaker. Like uh, if Joe Danaher leaves, he is someone who can go through the center and take clearances. He's someone who can kick three goals because he's so powerful and physical. He's super athletic. Even when he's not fit, he's super athletic. Like the guy is ridiculous. And I would love nothing more than to see him at his best. Like we did for the first three or four games this year. Uh, really maybe even the first like five or six games this year because yeah when he came back he was a shell of himself he wasn't he wasn't there yeah and that's that's why jake stringer when he first got um if you have a look back in our old podcast everybody uh when when we first said we were going to sign jake stringer i described the man as as four liters of full cream um to be sort of poured over the top of the (laughs) of the club like he's he's just the cream on top of what could have been a great forward line, right? With Joey D and Jimmy Stewart, who'd just come off two great years. And then we were going to put Jakey in there as a third option. Um, you're going to have to put a decent defender on him. Um, Jakey should still be that. He should. We should have Joey or a big, dirty, great big forward in there um, who's the number one option. Jimmy Stewart, who's the number two tall option. And then Jakey Stringer should just be scaring the bejesus out of people um, in the forward line because he's that talented and you're going to have to put someone on him. Otherwise, he will kick three or four. I agree. He's, he hasn't been fit for ages. It's one of it's the issue with Jake that's that's dragged him everywhere about his elite level of fitness. 
he does. He's a bit like Waller and and the other guys. He doesn't need to be. He, he may appear to be um, not super duper washboard ab six pack fit, but I think there's contributing factors there that mean that those guys can outwardly look potentially that they're not super duper AFL fit, but they don't tend to need to be right. So I, I want Jakey to, to go away, have a good holiday, um, tear it up in a pizza somewhere and then come back and really put some effort into a, a preseason because he's the X factor. He's the, him and Waller, but even more than Waller him, he's the incredible X factor that players, the opposition teams won't know how to defend him. You put a tall on him, he's too quick. You put a small on him, he'll eat you for breakfast. So Jakey is, Jake, we haven't seen him this year. And if we can get Jakey back into a position where he can run out games and he can play several in a row and we don't just bomb it onto his sort of short head as well, then he's he's a freak. He's a, a huge freak of a bloke and could really elevate our forward line performance. Outside of Danaher, I think he's the most talented player on the list. And Easily. I think that's something that probably has followed him you know, throughout his career between the Bulldogs and mm. now. Uh, I I thought early in the year he showcased that. Yeah. And then he got hurt. And I just really would love him to stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that that's the biggest key. He's that's the biggest key, isn't it? Yep. Uh, Jacob Townsend um, obviously came into the club. It's interesting because he, when he came to the club, I think his idea was that he was actually going to be an inside midfielder <laughs> uh, when they recruited him and ended up playing a, a defensive forward kind of role, uh, which, you know, obviously he tried to best, you know, semi-worked, but he found it tough to actually find the ball himself and, and have a major impact on, on the goals. No doubt a competitor. I mean, we'll crash his body in for a... <laughs> It almost kamikaze like, uh, and you know that's that's one of the good things. You as far as culture, you, you're glad he's on board because he 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 does show a lot of guys um, at what lengths he's going to do to protect a teammate to get a to create a path for him. Um, so that's the positive. It, it just he's if for me, he's on the border of a, a next range of cuts if needed to be. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a hard one. He, he didn't have a. It didn't have. You would say a great year, but you know, you do see just vis, visibly he, he's that he cares, uh, and, and he's a, a he's quite physical, quite physical in how he approaches the game. So, what did you think, Sam? Yeah, I would like to keep him, if only from the perspective of what Paul Brasher said in his statement of wanting guys that are physical and want to be here and are tough. This guy grew up an Essendon fan. Like I want a guy who wants to be here, who is always going to protect his teammates like that. I didn't get the inside midfield thing. Like he he didn't do that at Richmond even. No, he he did it as a a junior and I think wanted to, he did it as a junior and wanted to, wanted to, I think he kind of was wanting to play that role somewhere else, but it just, just wasn't going to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like to go, and we're going to talk about it with this next guy too. Like it's (laughs) quantity of midfielders over quality of midfielders. Not to say that our midfielders are bad. We just have a lot of them that aren't elite and it's never going to happen for Jacob Townsend playing midfield here. If he doesn't want to be here to do that, I totally get it. But um, if he is willing to just continue to run a million miles an hour at, 
opposing defenders and try and uh, create crumbing situations for guys like McDonald, Tip Moody, like maybe a Devin Smith in the forward line. Like um, if Fantasia comes back, like those guys, great, I'm in. But if he wants to do something different, then it's probably time to move on. Yep. Uh, I'd agree with that. I'd, I'd, he's a, he's a role player. Um, he knows his role. He seems happy enough to play the role. I, I may, I may defer to modern coaching techniques that says that the correct modern coaching techniques are that you have a defensive forward in your forward line. Now that you're not expecting to hit the forward, to hit the scoreboard, but you are, their main role is to apply pressure when the ball hits the deck, um, fling himself at packs and stuff. So Perhaps I defer to modern coaching techniques, but yeah, um, Jacob. And again, I love the fact that he, he's applying himself to the club and um, he's uh, he's wanting to play for the club clearly. But again, if, if the, the lists get down too far, he's a bit like you, Scotty, on the, on the next rung of maybe letting go. Well, we'll go to uh, – this would be an interesting conversation. I'd really like to hear Sam's <laughs> thoughts on this guy. Well, let's go to David Saharakis. Um, they aren't negative, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so Saharakis um, played 10 games. Uh, I would say the last three of those 10, he actually played quite well. As he, was, he actually had really good games. It's probably the first seven that's the concern where he was, you know, well out of games. This is my personal view uh, to the point where, I mean, I, I felt like the club had to um, omit him after about the fourth or fifth game. Um, they chose not to. They um, He ended up coming good, but I don't want players that, 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 that have to have that kind of length of time being out of form um, to, to eventually become, um, I guess, solid and, and performing well. But, it is what it is. He's obviously got another year's contract. Um, he, he's always – he was bought or 22 with me this year. Um, I'm not sure if that's changed for next year. Uh, you know, he's a big tease because uh, he can play such – he can play a game that's so obviously – he's easily best on ground and so impactful, kicks two or three goals, there's 25 possessions, but then it's the 80% – that's the other way that that's and it's so common uh, where he's t- totally out of games. Um, they obviously tried to change his role this year, um, which was it was funny because the coach kept on saying it was like a secret role <laughs> he wouldn't, um, but he was in the forward line, um, and I'm not quite sure what that role was. I'm not quite sure what it was meant to be, but it wasn't performing the first seven weeks. Uh, and then they feel like they almost dropped that and just said, all right, just play how you play. And then he started to play well. So uh, is a, is a, uh, it's one thing is he's obviously a very, very good club man, right? And he's, he's very loyal, very well liked. Um, but he really is – he would need to have so much more better form in the preseason next year for me to warrant uh, uh, an instant selection. That's all I'll say. So I get that. A guy that works incredibly hard, keeps himself in incredibly good shape. Uh, definitely an example for younger players on the list in terms of the effort and energy levels and off court or off field work that you have to put in. 
for that alone, he's definitely worth keeping around for me. Um, obviously in the leadership group, I don't know that he should be in the leadership group next year. Um, just frankly, I don't know if he's a good enough player to be a leader anymore and a consistent enough player, but the thing that impressed me most about him was we talked about the vacuum of leadership earlier this year when Dyson was out. And in that final game, when he got hurt, he was the only guy that showed leadership. He was the only guy that was like really trying to organize the team mm -hmm. in a way that led to tangible positive results. And I have an immense amount of respect for David Zarakis, and I would happily take him on my team. I agree with you, though, Scott, that I don't know. I'd pencil him in for the uh, uh, first 20 next year. For mine, um, is one of the examples of how we put too many arms around too many players and weren't vicious enough um, this year with selection of players. Um, I know we didn't have that many to choose from, but um, David Zarakis didn't deserve to get a game after about game three or four. Like he's, he's a veteran. He should perform better than that. There is a higher expectation on veteran players. You then couple that with the fact that he ain't as young as springtime anymore. So maybe you do cut him a little bit of slack, but a veteran like that needs to perform. And if he was playing in a role where there's some secret role that nobody knew about or secret squirrel kind of role and it wasn't working, then I'd be turning around to my, my coaches and saying, listen, I'm, I'm contributing nine possessions to a six. I think he'd got six possessions in one game or something like that, which David Zarakis hasn't got since he was playing under nines. Um, he, did, he didn't deserve, like he either had to be changed into the position that he normally plays and gets more involved in the game or you sit down because to play that many games in a row after getting six possessions, that's not okay. Um, he's a legend, absolutely a legend. Hope he's there next year because again, that kind of veteran leadership prepares himself as a, as a good player of AFL football. And I hope he's in the side next year, but he didn't deserve to be in the side after he played three or four bad games in a row. Um, and I know there's no VFL to go back to so that he can get some form but he's one of the reasons why we say that the club needs to be more ruthless um, and Brasher, his, sorry, his selection is the reason why Brasher came out and said what he said at the end, at the start of this, sorry, at the end of this year. I don't really have a problem with that either for what it's worth, Grant. Like, even though I love him and I, I totally agree with you, he probably should have been dropped after game yeah. four. Mm. Even if it's just a smarten up, even yeah. if it's just a hurry up kind of, Hey, David, yes, you're a veteran, but, um, mate, sorry, <laughs> freaking hell, four, four games in a row um, where you're getting single-figure possessions. Even if we have put you in a secret squirrel position, that's not okay, mate. And nobody gets six or eight possessions over four games and plays in a fifth game. So, um, yeah, that would have liked to have seen that. But having said that, love the man to death. And I think, too, I mean, we'll go into the last player, but just to even, just to even let, the players know that there's no age or no um, criteria that that, that that gives you a game at the Essendon Football Club. And I, yeah. so look, last I mean, he gets, I mean, just one more thing: he gets um he gets a, a an extra game or two because he's a veteran. He gets a, a couple more games because he is who he is. But when four or five, bad luck. That's it. 
So let's wrap things up. Uh, look, just quickly before we say goodbye, Brandon Sir Thatcher, uh, I won't spend too much time. Uh, the, there is a player there. He's going to come through. He had an off year. Uh, like I've seen too much VFL games to know he's a much better player than what we saw. Yeah, um, same. Got thrown to the wolves a bit, you know, playing on guys that are way bigger than him and, and getting roles that probably he's not really developed yet for. But there is a player there. Uh, and, and you'll see a lot better play in, in a couple of years' time. That's what, that's what I'll say. I don't really have a strong take on Brandon. He seems like a good young, tall to play in the back, but uh, he wasn't great this year, and you guys have seen better, so we'll see. Yeah, but B- BZT is um, uh, he's he's much better than he showed this year. He throws himself at packs um, w- like without thought to his own personal safety and um, he's, he needs to learn craft. So that's why the likes of um, Hurls and Hooker down the back um, is really going to be helpful for him next year. He needs to take one of those two positions, um, either Hurls or Hooker. So I think if we can keep both of those guys, Hurls and Hooker for a couple of years, it'll be very good to chuck BZT in there as a, um, for three or four games in a row with either one of those other blokes taking a bit of a rest during the year and he can learn from those two bikes. But um, Maggie Thatcher's my man. He um, he's I like the look of him, and there's a player there, definitely. Thank you, everyone. Well, that is finally it after about three hours of conversation <laughs> where we're finally there. Uh, Sammy, I can't thank you enough for spending so much time with us. And thank your wife for us as well, your very understanding <laughs> wife. Yes. Please pass on her apologies for keeping you away from the family for so long. But we we uh, we very much appreciate your time, mate. Yeah, of course. Anytime, guys. So that's it from us. Thank you, Mr. Grant. Uh, Scotty. That's it for part two. We hope you enjoyed this uh, player review series. If you're uh, still awake and you've managed to, the, the, was it the uh, the batteries on your ear pods have lasted this long? Yes. Uh, so we've got shows coming up on the draft and trade period that that we'll try and um, uh, see if we can get in some uh, some guests for that as well. A big big moment for the club coming up in the next month or so. So we'll see how it goes. But thank you again. This is the Lunchtime Catch Up Podcast signing off. For those who are still listening, yes, I did press the intro button and not the outro button. That was my mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.